fuck the history of the space race. Mm. I've talked already about like how much I fucking hate the the space program and particularly going to Mars. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I just read a book that we got out of a little free library. Can't remember who wrote it, but it was called uh, Laika's Window. Now, it was talking about the space race in particular, but ex- experimental animals more generally. Laika was the first life form. She was a Soviet dog that the Soviets put in Sputnik 2. First, there's Sputnik 1, you know, the first spaceship in orbit, unmanned. And then Sputnik 2, because we want to see what it's like to get people up there, living beings. So they stick a dog in there. Now, why a dog? Well, the Soviets in particular have a history of a close relationship with dogs, including experimentation on them. Think of Pavlov's dogs. Mm. Um, There was even this video that came out in 1940 that I was reading about in this book of this guy that did these fucking horrific experiments on dogs. One of the things that stood out in my head was he decapitated a dog and hooked it up to this machine he had that, like, artificially pumped blood into the dog's decapitated fucking head. And apparently, I haven't tried to look this up yet, but it might be findable online. I don't know. But it was a video from Russia in the 1940s. And the decapitated dog's head, he demonstrated how he could move his hands and the eyes would blink, how they could rub lemon juice on the lips of this dog and it would lick its lips. Decapitated. A decapitated dog's head. How it would respond to sounds, to sights. Um, What kind of fucking people does shit like this? You know, this is science. And so, anyway, this is the lineage that led to Laika. Now, most of us have heard about the space race, the Soviets getting up there first, yada, yada, yada. Some of us have heard about the dog up there and even know her name, Laika. I bet a lot fewer of you know that they did surgery on her to take her carotid artery and pull it to the surface of her skin under a flap that they created so she could be hooked up to sensors. Um, They could monitor her up there. And I bet a lot fewer of you know that she was put in this capsule for three days. She couldn't move. There was no room in there. Three days she sat in this capsule before launch. Um, And she was severely dehydrated when they finally launched her up there. Mm. They had no plans to bring her back. Um, They didn't have that technology at the time. And they were trying to um, beat the anniversary of the Bolshevik Revolution to kind of make it a big celebration and, of course, beat the Americans into space. So they put her up there and... The orbit that they had planned, when things go in orbit around the Earth, it's like a big elliptical. Um, I forget the names of these things, but like there's a point where it's closest to the Earth, a point where it's furthest away from the Earth. It's like a big egg. It doesn't go in a smooth circle around the Earth. So they thought she would be in the shade quite a bit and last a while up there. Well, it turned out she wasn't. She was in the sun a lot more than they planned. And when you don't have an atmosphere over you, that fucking sun is hot. So basically... dogs don't sweat. They don't sweat. So basically, you know, there was grainy video that they watched, and it seemed like she was getting agitated, started panting, started barking, all the signs a dog shows of intense stress. She was cooked alive up there. Um, And it, it was saying in the book how veterinarians will tell you this is one of the most painful ways for a dog to die, to be overheated. It's a slow, painful death. So she died up there, and then, you know, a while later, the satellite comes crashing, Earth burns up, she's already dead. The Americans were quick to condemn the Soviets um, for this cruelty. 
But let's look at what the fucking Americans did. <laughs> All records show that the Soviets actually really cared about these dogs. The scientists, as they always seem to do, did horrific things because they thought it was justified. But right up until that point, they would train their dogs, their space dogs, with rewards. And they were picking up mongrels. They didn't want purebreds. They were picking up um, – one day they picked up up to 60 dogs to experiment with in the space program because the mongrels, the mutts, were known to be tougher. They figured if they could survive the Soviet winters on the streets like they did, they stood a pretty good damn chance of being up in space, and they tended to be smarter than the purebreds. Um, Which I think is a pretty powerful lesson in general. (laughs) So the Americans are condemning the Soviets for this shit, and the Americans start experimenting on chimps. They figure chimps, even though they're much more expensive to come by um, than dogs, are closer to humans. So... Whatever a chimp can stand, whatever it can do, um, that's a pretty good sign of what a human can stand. Now, while they're doing this with chimps, it turns out that they're getting flooded with letters um, of people saying, put me there instead. I will be your experimenting, experimental animal. I can't see the, the justice in doing this to uh, uh, an innocent animal. That chimp never did anything to anybody. I'll go. I'll sign whatever forms. I don't, you know, care. I don't care. If I die doing it, I'm willing to do that. Even prisoners on death row were sending them letters saying, what the fuck? You're just wasting taxpayer money. My life is over. I'm sitting here in a cage getting free food. Send me prisoners were wanting to take the place of these monkeys. Because they they said that the monkeys didn't do anything wrong. Let them live their lives. Yeah, I did something wrong. I'm taking responsibility. I fucked up and that's why I'm here in this cage. That monkey didn't do anything wrong. I'm talking multiple prisoners. The Air Force turned them down. Sent their first chimp into space. His name was Ham. He went, you know, through orbit and everything. It's, you know, the G-force going up there, like, increases your body sometimes up to ten times. Um, just... It's a horrific experience, and when they brought him back down, which they did, and successfully brought him out, there was this photograph that circulated in all the papers of this general or somebody shaking hands with the smiling chimp. Well, Jane Goodall later, the chimp expert, um, was to look at this photograph and said she had never seen more fear on a primate's face in her life. That is the what we interpret as a smile was terror. This chimp was scared shitless. The next chimp they sent up there, his name was Enos. And uh, they called him Enos the Penis. But he was known to play with himself, which is why he got the nickname. But the way they would train him, they wanted to see for this next experiment if a astronaut could keep his wherewithal, his men- mental capacity, and operate levers, operate machinery. So they gave him these three levers, you know, with different lights, like you're never supposed to pull this one. You pull this one when the light comes on, and every now and then you pull this one. And they attach shock pads to his feet. So anytime he made a wrong error, it would zap him. It would electrocute him. So they sent him up with these levers. He gets in space, and guess what? The fucking shock pads malfunction. Oh, my God. So they start zapping him over and over and over. And poor Enos, he's doing the only thing he's ever known to do that stops the electric shocks working the levers. He's working them faster and faster. He's not doing anything wrong. He's doing them perfect. But the shocks keep coming. He's floating around this cold space after this horrifying trip up there, getting shocked, 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 shocked. They also didn't want him playing with himself up there. It wouldn't jeopardize the mission. They just found it distasteful. They didn't want their space monkey playing with himself. So they stuck a catheter inside of him. And this catheter 
had water, a water balloon basically in his bladder, thinking it would be impossible for him to pull it out. Well, as he's getting shocked and stressed out, he reaches down and, you know, judge it all you want, laugh at it all you want. But this monkey, when he gets stressed, plays with himself. So he pulls his catheter out, which must have been excruciatingly painful. But the good news is they brought him home alive, so we learned about space. You know, and they're they're talking about when they're teaching us all this fucking bullshit about Tang and dehydrated ice cream and the, the words of the first man on the moon. I never heard any of this shit about the animals because that's not the narrative we want to hear or they want us to know. They want us to get on board with this bullshit because it's going to lead to Star Trek. And then we can unite all the, uh, the different alien species in the galaxy under our federation and the empire can grow. Fuck the space race. And a special fuck you to that author, because as Gumby's reading this book, he'll, you know, he was like kind of sharing different passages with me. And I, all I could do was take them out of context because I didn't, you know, I wasn't reading the whole book with him. And I thought at first that the author was making a point of like, let's stop all this abuse on animals. And then come to find out that his wrap up at the end of his book talks about like how, you know, it was necessary to use all of these beings in experiments so that we could get to the threshold of maybe one day colonizing Mars. Fuck that guy. Yeah. And he explored a little bit more than I'd heard before about the rationale of going to space. Apparently a lot of the scientists that are pushing for exploring space, particularly colonizing Mars, their rationale is that Earth is fucked. No matter how you crunch the numbers, no matter how you look at it, Earth is already dead. It's a corpse with whose heart is still barely beating. And our only chance is to leave the Earth. Now, what pisses me off about this is this underlying narrative seems to almost suggest that it's the Earth's fault. The Earth somehow failed us. And if we're to survive this failing machine, this planet, then we need to transcend it. Never once do these fucking genius scientists question our way of life. That we, if they're trying so hard to get to do something impossible, to get to Mars, ooh, why can't we fucking give up the way we're living that's murdering the planet right now? Because that would require us giving up science, and science would never allow science to die. And that lifestyle has been tried and tested for... I don't know how many times longer than our own culture. It works. It served people. It worked over and over and over. It worked. Mars? That's a fucking crazy idea. That's never worked yet. And God, I hope it doesn't work. Because if we don't change the thing that killed the planet, what the fuck are we doing up there? (laughs) I mean, and fuck all the people who listen to those goddamn scientists. Uh... Wake the fuck up. This is my woke Olympics. Wake the fuck up. It's us that's murdering the planet. And I, for one, am not giving up on this planet. I've seen on small scales how the planet can fucking heal. I don't doubt for a minute that if we stop, the planet's going to rebound. Will it be what it was before? Of course not. It's never been what it was before. Every ice age, every glacier, every volcano, every meteor impact, it always changes. It's what it does. It doesn't mean it's dying. It means it's changing. And if we quit fucking murdering the earth, I have absolute faith the earth can heal. Fuck the scientists. I think they're feeding us all this bad news once again to lead us down a certain road with vested interest. 
And I would like to, again, dovetail that by saying, fuck you to people that say save the earth or save the planet. It's not that I hate the earth and I hate this planet. I love it. I just feel like maybe we're, um, maybe we're, we're not saying what we mean. Maybe we're really meaning like save the species of earth or save humans in particular, or maybe some people are thinking save our way of life, which is, um, detrimental to so many other species. But I personally think that the earth, this rock is going to be fine because Gumby, you even said the, uh, the ability for the earth, (laughs) the ability for the earth to heal, um, is miraculous. I don't know if humans are going to be able to last. And I understand that might be why, you know, crazy motherfuckers are thinking that we should go to Mars. But I think that by saying save the planet or save the earth, it's so, what's that word? Anthro- anthropocentric. Anthropocentric, yeah. Mm-hmm. 